0: Praise your name, praise your name, praise your name, hallelujah, amen, it's good to see everyone tonight, if I am overlooking a guest, we welcome you, if you are joining us tonight online, we welcome you as a part of this service, Uh, Bishop and Mother Wright have safely returned back to the good old U.S. of A., so... Keep them in your prayers as they are now recovering from jet lag and all that wonderful stuff. Amen. I touched on something last Thursday night that I told you I felt like we may come back to. I just didn't expect it to be so quick. There are several more take heed's that Jesus stated and my hope is because I think there's some very important principles in those statements that we have not covered my hope is that we will come back to those I, I use this term hesitantly some of you will understand why some of you will be blessed that this won't really mean anything to you and I mean that sincerely so I, I use this a little bit reluctantly because it's become, a, you know, a big buzzword these days. But I, I want to say this. I want to say it as a declaration of faith. We we are about to embark. At least on Thursday nights, we're about to embark on a journey here for a little while. I don't know how long that little while will be, but. I believe, I feel very strongly there's some stuff God wants to do. And you may not like what that is when we get going here, but hopefully if you'll have good ground for the seed, then it will produce something. And so, in fact, I I will. I already intend to send an email out to encourage those that are a part of us that aren't here to please keep up, because I believe it's something God is going to do in us and through us. So, you you can be seated. I will read, more than likely, plenty of scriptures. I'm not in a hurry. Now, you know that when Bishop says that, the interpretation is we're going to be here a while. I'm not saying we will or we won't, but I will tell you my reason, feeling that it's only 7.30 and we are starting is because I want to catch you while you are as fresh as possible. And of course that is all relative in light of the fact many of you here have been up very early this morning going to work You've put in a full day's work, and so I know that you are weary in body. I trust that you will let the Holy Ghost help you not to be weary in mind this evening. Um, so that that's my motivation. I'm not telling you I won't go long. I'm just telling you um, at least if I go long, I'll wear you out at the end, but hopefully you'll caught something at the beginning. So I, I want to start off... Um, I, I don't really know if tonight, especially in the next few weeks, I, I don't really know if this is going to be teaching. This this may be more me just opening my heart to you, sharing with you what I feel like God is talking to me about. And I will tell you up front what God is talking to me about for me. But I also believe that it's beyond me. As I've said many times I understand and it's a challenge you you have to try to learn that just because as a preacher God is dealing with you about something is not an automatic signal that it's for everybody. However, I would venture to say the majority of the time, if God's dealing with you about it, there's a really good chance that you're not the only person that it applies to. Again, that doesn't mean you just decide you're going to launch off into it. That ought to be by the direction and inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So I just say that to remind you that I understand that just because God may be dealing with me is not the automatic that He's trying to deal with you. But uh, partly in light of what I touched on some last Thursday night, what I've been feeling And uh, some other things I may or may not share, we will see. I I really feel led that this is a direction we are supposed to go here for a little bit. There is something that most adults, at least here tonight, are familiar with the term. You know what, I'm I'm just, if you don't mind, I'm just going to come down here and uh, we'll just kind of mingle if that's all right. No, know this doesn't help the sound camera guys, but... So there. there is a term, there is, or actually maybe it makes their job a little bit more enjoyable when there's, you know, something going on, not just position. <laughs> Sorry. Whichever. I'm telling you, we need red lights on every camera so you know which one to look at or not look at. Anyway. There, there's a term that most adults in this room tonight. So again, I'm just, I don't, I don't, we may not get much beyond this speed, okay? Thank you for two of yours' approval. By your silence, I will presume the rest of you are okay. We'll do like we do in weddings, okay? (laughs) There is a term that most adults in this room tonight know. And there's a term that several of you tonight know all too well. You will understand that in just a moment, because some of you deal with this. I'm talking natural stuff, so relax for a second. Put your guard up in a couple minutes. That is. Let me remind you before I give you the term and read to you. Most of you already know it, but I just want to kind of give a basic summary. Let me remind you that God created, purposefully created natural things to demonstrate spiritual principles. I am of the personal belief, it is my strong belief, that there is nothing in the natural world that does not have some kind of spiritual application. That everything God did in nature, in this world, God did it, because there was some kind of spiritual principle we could learn from. it. Not only is there some Bible that flat out tells us in a little bit different context, but it tells us about the children of Israel, that God, what happened with them was for our example. But we also know Paul, particularly Paul, used the body numerous times, or used the body in a significant way to communicate spiritual principles. Okay? So again, I believe that anything in nature, anything you find in nature, not man made, not man produced, but anything that God created or allowed to be, there is some place, some opportunity, some time at which you can find a spiritual application. And so the term that again, several of you in this room are Unfortunately, too familiar with, that is what is referred to as an autoimmune disease. Now, most of you have some idea of what that is, but let me just read to you from WebMD just to give you the basics of what that means in case you're not totally familiar with it. An autoimmune disease, the immune system... Disorders cause abnormally low activity or overactivity of the immune system. In cases of immune system overactivity, the body, everybody say the body. The body attacks and damages its own tissues. The body. Hello, the body. Immune deficiency disease, de- diseases decrease the body's ability to fight invaders, causing vulnerability to infections. Now, according to what I read in basic resources, it's been about the 1960s when they've kind of started identifying autoimmune diseases. But it seems like nowadays they are extremely common, more and more common. In response to an unknown trigger, the immune system may begin producing antibodies that instead of fighting infections, attack the body's own tissues. So instead of attacking the foreign substance, the foreign issue, the virus, the bacteria, the body begins to attack itself. One example of an autoimmune disease is rheumatoid arthritis. The immune system produces antibodies that attach to the linings of the joints. Immune system cells then attack the joints, causing inflammation, swelling, and pain. If untreated, rheumatoid arthritis causes gradual. Gradually causes permanent joint damage. Treatments for rheumatoid arthritis can include various oral or injectable medications that reduce immune system overactivity. So the you have cells that attack joints causing inflammation, swelling, and pain. When that happens, you can't move the way God originally intended you to move. Your body does not function. You are not free to do what you may may expect to be able to do. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, and hopefully I'm not going to try to convince you, I'm just going to tell you what I feel and what I believe, and if you need arguing and convincing, I guess we can have a debate later, but I'm not getting into it right now. But I'm going to tell you that I believe one of the greatest problems in the church today is autoimmune issues. It's the body attacking the body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You might have enjoyed another take heed better than this. I don't know. It's the body attacking the body. I wonder, Brother Trombley, I was thinking this, this afternoon, and this may be completely wrong, I don't know, but but I was wondering in light of this, it seems like a lot of churches in their beginning stages have great revival and great growth. They They seem to have this great burst of activity. I wonder if it's because in those beginning stages, you may be dealing with a small body. You may be dealing with a small group of people, but that it is a healthy body. We, we, we got a couple of babies here tonight, a couple of infants, a couple of toddlers that do not have the ability to do a lot of stuff on their own. Got to be held, got to be fed, got to be changed can't walk can't even crawl yet and yet we understand that at where they are they are completely healthy there's nothing wrong there's no, there's no issues if a if a 6 month old is not getting up in the mornings and dressing himself and coming down and saying hey mom where's breakfast nobody's concerned now if you've got a if you've got a I always saw Brother uh, Mooney does this. I just I think he looks really cool, so I'm see if I can be cool like Brother Mooney. Some of y'all don't know who Brother Mooney is, so sorry. <laughs> if you got a 16 year old, I don't mean the waking up part, cause, <laughs> but if you got a 16 year old that you've got to go up and get out of bed. And carry downstairs and prop them up in a chair and feed them, something is now wrong, right? Yeah. So you may have 20, 25 people, and it may be at infant church, if you will, but completely healthy. And so I wonder if the reason so many churches plateau is you reach a point and the body starts attacking the body. And the way you used to be able to move freely and function and operate with your joints and all of that the way they were supposed to, it doesn't happen that way anymore because joints start to stiffen up and parts of the body can't move like they used to move because the body is attacking the body. Oh, hallelujah. I feel a song coming on. We are standing on holy ground. Because I don't think our biggest problem today as a church, and I mean that universally, but I'll break it down for us and let's break it down even farther as a congregation. I don't believe our biggest problem today is the devil. I preached to you a couple of Sunday nights ago where the choir went out to battle first and God drove back a human natural army or used used praise singers to defeat a natural army. If that can be done in the natural, how much more can God drive an enemy back through our praise and our worship? Politics is not the church's greatest issue. The liberal agenda is not the church's greatest issue. I'm telling you tonight, I think it's no coincidence and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not looking for devils under every leaf. I don't over spiritualize everything, but I'm just going to tell you, I don't think it's a coincidence that it seems like over the last couple of decades, there has been more and more and more autoimmune disease issues arise because I think that's one of the greatest issues in the church. I'm going to do my very best tonight to do what I don't normally do very well, and that is I'm not here for your response. Some of you are, some of you will. I appreciate it, but I'm just going to do my best tonight to trust what I feel in my spirit and not not hold back to see how well you give me rah, rah, rahs back, okay? Is that all right? I might even accept the bishop's philosophy tonight that the quieter you get, the more you're listening. I might accept that tonight. Don't give me that Sunday night. Sunday night, I want you to talk back, all right? I don't think it's a coincidence. Because most of the time, we don't need the devil to attack us. We do a pretty good job attacking ourselves. What should be a normal... God-designed function of the body. Something causes the body to act in a way that it's not supposed to act. And so, that's that's sort of just a very broad introduction, okay? Look at that. That was only a 10-minute introduction. I think there's usually like, Ten minutes of teaching for every one minute of introduction, so we'll... All the artists are going. Sorry. <laughs> That's right, I'm not looking for your feedback. I remind myself. Others of you are getting your phones out, pulling up your calculator. Let me see, ten minutes time. was <laughs> a joke, forget about it, don't worry about it. Let me tell you something else that we don't lack here. There is no lack of vision. We don't have a lack of vision. I believe that God has given myself, I believe God has given other ministry leaders, whether it's Sunday morning ministry leaders, Youth ministry, other areas of ministry. I do believe that God has given us as well our own vision. But we've we've got decades of vision. If God never added one more thing to the vision we already have, we got enough vision. The problem is, what good is a vision if you're not healthy enough to participate in it? Hmm. Oh, Jesus, help me. What good is a vision if you can't do anything about it? Hallelujah. So let let me give you an example. Or John, not first John, just John chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem... Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. And these lay a great, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man, you get that? That means this is not a parable. This is a true story. A certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. That's a long time. Now if you're thirty eight that's not old, but that's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, "Wilt thou be made whole this isn't this isn't the point of where I'm going, but maybe for just a second, encourage somebody. 38 years. I don't know how long he laid at the pool, but for 38 years he had this infirmity. Jesus recognized he had it a long time. I have a feeling he, and I think based on the next verse we'll read in a second, I have a feeling that he had resolved himself that this is the way I will be for the rest of my life. After 38 years, that's enough time to decide. I think I'm kind of stuck. Oh, I feel like preaching for a moment. Come on. Come on. I've been this I've 38 year, not 38 days, not 38 months, but 38 years he was in this condition and I have to believe that he saw enough people get healed and felt hopeless enough about his situation that he really didn't think anything was ever going to change but one day Jesus shows up and it did not matter how long he had dealt with the issue, today was the day. Some of you, it hadn't been 38 years yet that you've been dealing with what you're dealing with but if out after 38 years, Jesus can show up and perform a miracle in this man's life, then after however long it is for you, Jesus can show up and do it in your life. Not all fun, Brother Middleton. I guess I get a little bit of sprinkling in there. When When Jesus saw him lie... Not, not tell a lie, lay down. He was laying down. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool... But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. So understand, this guy had no doubt that if you could get in the water first, you would get your miracle. His problem was not faith. His problem was not that God would do it or it could happen he didn 't question the troubling of the water, and he didn 't think those that tried to get in the water first were crazy. He believed in his response to Jesus so much for talking. you get a little water, take a deep breath here, slow down. He was confident if I can get in the water. First, I'd be made whole. The problem is I can't get there. Hmm. So what good is vision if you can't get there? Oh, Jesus. What good is faith in what will happen if you can't ever see yourself getting to what will happen. It it wasn't a matter of him needing to be convinced of what God could do. That was not the issue. The issue was, I can't get there. Apparently, he was able to move a little bit because he said, while I am coming... I don't know how it was. He was coming. I I don't know if he had the ability to walk some and was maybe a limp or so. I don't know. Maybe maybe he had to crawl on all fours. Maybe he had to crawl do the army crawl on his hands. I don't know. Apparently, oh Jesus. Hmm. I'm, I'm just going. Let me. I, I, I don't want to use this term lightly, but let, let, let me prophesy. If you, if we. Over that, I don't know what. I'm not promising you what Sundays will be about. Sunday nights, basically, since we know what Sunday mornings are. But Sunday, I don't know what. I don't know what Sunday nights will be about right now. But I believe if over the next couple of weeks, you and I would open our hearts and our spirits, that God is going to transform some individuals in this place. Jesus name. I I believe that there's healing in the water. I believe that when the water's troubled, whoever gets in there gets healed. I believe all. there was no need to convince the man. This wasn't a matter of trying to convince him to get in the... It wasn't a matter of trying to get rid of his doubt of what could happen. The problem was, I can't get there. I see it, I believe it, but I just can't get there. Mm. I'm talking, preaching, teaching, treaching, whatever it is to some folks here tonight. Your issue is not faith. I mean that as an encouragement. (laughs) Just in case. Your issue is not confidence in God. Your issue is you got no man. I'm not talking to the ladies. Come on. Your issue is, you've got some things preventing you. Oh, Jesus. You've got some stuff that is preventing you. I'm not talking about sin at this point. But you've got some stuff that is an obstacle, sir. I have no man. I, I wonder. I don't, I don't know. It's, it just says that. It says that there was a. Where is it? Verse four. An angel went down. At a certain season into the pool. I, I don't know. I, maybe there's somewhere that says it. Maybe somebody's. You've studied it and you know it. I, it doesn't say how often. It doesn't say how many times a year. It just says that there was a season. That when the angel troubled the water. Whoever got in the water first. Was guaranteed. Listen. let's Let's just be honest and real for a moment. This isn't like. Burden bearing at church. All right, all right. I cannot absolutely 100% guarantee you that if you're sick tonight and we call you down for prayer, I cannot absolutely guarantee you that you will be healed. Can God do it? Absolutely. He might do it. I also been around. You've been around long enough. Everybody don't get healed all the time. This, this wasn't even that. That wasn't the case. It was was understood. It was believed. If you can just get to the water first, you will get what you need. So his response to Jesus is, I I have no man. I don't have anybody that when the water is troubled can get me there in time. How about this? Everybody. Everybody is always beating me to the miracle. Anybody? They always seem to get it, or somebody else always seems to get it. I just can't... I know I told you I wasn't going to talk for your response, but I'll take it anyway. It just seems as though somebody... Always gets there first. It, it just seems as though it's always somebody else's ministry. It's somebody else's care group. It's somebody else's daughter work. It's somebody else's Bible study that seems to be the one. And I, I believe, but I can't get there. Oh, Jesus. You know what? I, I, I've been troubled struggling some in my spirit and under these changes and what's going on with this trend especially with thursday night sunday not so much but thursday night honestly i've been battling that i need you know it's coming we need to do some vision casting let's we need to do some vision casting on thursday night we we need to do some vision and i finally i made some peace today because of this direction, I feel like we don't we, we don't need no more vision. Don't don't get me wrong, because if we don't do it before, we'll probably do it at the beginning of next year. So don't get the context, okay? Not making a blanket statement about all time, all right? We don't need more vision casting. You mean to tell me what we've already heard? by men and women of God come through here, and if you have any confidence in me, stuff I've communicated and preached and taught, we, you mean to tell me we need more vision? I don't think so. So then what's the problem? What are we missing? Oh, we just need another prayer meeting. Now, we got prayer every week. We're not don't, Again, don't miss... I told you I preached a couple of Sunday nights. I think our greater need right now is praise, not prayer. But that doesn't mean we don't need prayer, okay? So don't 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 over exaggerate the point I'm trying to make. It's not another it's not another week of prayer and fasting that we need to somehow break something. Let me tell you something: a good old praise. Worship session will break a whole lot of stuff. Oh, hallelujah. So, is vision the problem? Honest, I mean, is is that the problem? We don't... Brother, we just... We need vision. Are you kidding me? A 100,000? What more vision do you need? (laughs) Whew. I, I have... No, man, I, I, Lord, I believe if I could just get in the water, I believe it would happen. I believe I would be healed, but I, I just can't get there. So that was like the joint between intro and the body of the message. Okay. Job 42 verse number one. This is, if I'm not mistaken, this is the last chapter of the book of Job, right? Anybody? Not a trick question. I've got this in my notes. I can't flip. Is chapter 42 the last chapter? Somebody help me. Is there more? Get a phone out. Open a Bible. Use you. Come on. Okay. Thank you very much. Y'all shell-shocked or something. Come on. This is... So this is, this is the end. Okay. I use these verses, I think Sunday morning. Some of these verses Sunday morning here in Arnold. Then Job answered the Lord and said, again, if you, if you don't know what Job answered, you ought to go back and read it. Because what Job is just now answering is the dress down of all time. Where God, with like a machine gun, fires away at Job, question after question. And so this is, that's what Job is answering the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. He's saying in verse 4, These are the things that I said or what I did that I shouldn't have done because I didn't understand what I was doing. Verse 5, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Verse 6, Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I said stuff I didn't understand. I treated you in a way I was really wrong. I've heard about you. Now I've seen you. And now I repent. And now I repent. Which is where we stop. Hallelujah. Great thing what Job did. Great thing Job's acknowledgement and confession. I said stuff I didn't understand. I, I demanded of you. I did things. I communicated things that I didn't even really know what I was doing, God. So I repent in dust and ashes. I, Forgive me for what I did. Forgive me for what I said. Now I want you to notice, up to this point, nothing changes. Oh, hallelujah. Nothing changes. His circumstances remain the same. He's repented. That means everything ought to turn around, right? I suppose you could think that. Verse number 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, 41, 40, however many chapters it is, he speaks to Job now the Lord says to Eliphaz the Temanite my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath now there's a couple of interesting things there First of all he says you You haven't spoken right as my servant Job hasn't. Wait a minute, God. Did you not hear everything Job said? You have not spoken of me the thing that is right. If you haven't ever read it, if you're not all that familiar with it, just let me summarize by telling you they spend several chapters in the book of Job saying things to Job that they felt like they were speaking for God. Oh, hallelujah. You, you better be real careful what you're telling somebody else. Because it's not impossible to assume some things about God that just aren't right. Right? These guys were convinced that what they were saying was correct. They believed what they were saying was right. And now the Lord said, my wrath is kindled against you. I'm not just disappointed in you. I'm not just a little bit bothered by what you did. He said, my wrath is kindled. I'm upset. Let's put it in 2017 terminology. I'm ticked off. You push the wrong button, you and your friends. Listen to what Barnes' note says about what the Lord has said in this verse. This must be understood comparatively. God did not approve of all that Job had said, but the meaning is that his general views of his government were just. God's government was just. The main position which he had defended in contradistinction from his friends was correct, for his arguments tended to vindicate the divine character and to uphold the divine government. It is to be remembered also as... Bolaire has remarked that there was a great difference in the circumstances of Job and the three friends circumstances modifying the degrees of blameworthiness chargeable to each. Job indeed, Job uttered indeed some improper sentiments about God and his government. He expressed himself with irreverence and impatience. He used a language of boldness and complaint, wholly improper, but this was done in the agony of mental and bodily suffering, and when provoked by the severe improper charges of hypocrisy brought by his friends. So it means he just kind of lost control a little bit. Did not Jesus himself say on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God manifested in the flesh. The man Christ Jesus says, How come you've forsaken me? In the moment of pressure and struggles and difficulties. And so that's what is, Job, not only by the circumstances, but then by his friends was prompted to say some things. No, he shouldn't have said. What they said, on the contrary, was unprovoked. It was when they were free from suffering... And when they were urged to it by no severity of trial, it was moreover when every consideration required them to express the language of condolence and to comfort a suffering friend. They should have been there with words of encouragement. Sometimes, there's a book I shared it a couple of years ago with the elders, it's called Where's God When It Hurts? And one of the points in that book is sometimes when people are suffering, you don't need to say anything. Well, your little angel is heaven in heaven now. Well, I'd much rather my angel be with me than in heaven. So sometimes we just, you're, you're better off not saying anything than you are sometimes saying too much. Some of y'all feel the pressure to say, you ought to come hang with me for a little while. I'll help you get over that. I'm go with a 10-hour car ride with me. We won't talk at all. You'll get over your pressure to just say something. If you don't get over that pressure, I'll drop you off and find another way home. Hmm. Read chapter 3, I think it is, if I'm not mistaken. Elah, whatever, Eliphaz and his two friends show up. Job, he's lost everything, he's now covered in boils, his body is in complete misery... His wife has told him, curse God and die. And now his three friends show up. They put dust and ashes on their head. They sit down and for seven days. Now I got to tell you, I like silence. But there's going to come a point. Somebody is going to have to say something. Especially if you're sitting there staring at me with a look that I can discern. There's some judgment going on behind the look. For seven days they stared at him. And if there's any question as to what was going on in their minds, when they opened their mouths, it solved all the questions. It doesn't say it, but I kind of imagine them in that seven days sitting there with Job going, Say something. And they finally say something. And they spend several chapters saying a whole lot. Man, you must have done something really bad. Nobody gets treated like this by God. If you had blah, 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 blah. And that provokes Job to say, I don't know what I've done. I haven't done anything. I just want to go back to the days in which things were good. So, the Lord gives Eliphaz and his friends a stern talking to. I'm angry with what you've done. I am ticked off with how you have handled yourself because you thought you were speaking for me and you didn't say anything that had to do with me. Now watch, watch this. Watch this. Verse number 8 Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. Hold on. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all gone home home, on me already? Wait just a minute, God. I repented about everything I said to you. I repented for my behavior towards you. But God now tells Eliphaz and his friends, here's the way I'm going to reconcile things for you. You get these, you get these bullocks and rams and you go to Job and offer for yourselves a burnt offering and Job shall pray for you for him. I'm not listening to you is kind of what he's saying. I bet you if you read the message Bible, it'll say that. Don't don't even talk to me, fellas. I don't want to hear anything you got to say. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do some sacrificing, but then you're going to have to go back to Job after you stared at him for several days, and then after you spent all this time criticizing him and judging him wrongly, you're going to go back to him and Job will pray for you because I will accept what Job says. Lest I deal with you after your folly in that you have not spoken from me the thing which is right like my servant Job. You said some stuff that just wasn't right. Notice, I want I want you to notice, everybody, please notice. God is reaming these fellas out because what they did was wrong. Hello? Oh Jesus. Mm-mm. There's no debate about what these guys did was wrong. There is no justification. God himself is tearing them up one side and down the other. God himself. But you got to go to Job because I'm going to listen to Job. Verse 8 in the Message Bible part of it. My friend Job will pray for you. And I will accept his prayer. He will ask me not to treat you as you deserve for talking nonsense about me and for not being honest with me as he has. (laughs) So I'm going to listen to what he prays. But you got to go back to him. This is what you have to do. And then you've got to ask him to pray. Can, can you imagine? I got a feeling there had to have been something amongst the three of them that said, we, we can't go back to him. Especially after what God said to them. If they hadn't realized before now what they'd done was wrong, they realize now we messed up really bad. We can't go back to Job. Pray for us? He's gonna pray for us? I, I want you, I'll make sure you, I don't want to belabor the point, but I just want to make sure you got this picture. Here is Job, who has gone through losing everything, literally everything except his wife. All his possessions, all of his children, all she does is respond and say, why don't you just curse God and die? No sympathy there. His three friends show up, spend seven days staring, saying nothing, then they start talking, and all they do is just judge, criticize, jump to conclusions. Now, let me, some of you are upset because you were you, you missed church for a weekend because you were sick and nobody called. Some of you are upset because somebody passed by you and didn't say hello whatever else, you name it, all of these more minor things that are really, most of the time, ridiculous. Sorry. There is no argument over Job's situation and over the lack of care and compassion that he got from those that should have supported him. I mean, I, this, this is... Interesting week for me, just and I realized this, what I went through last year was nothing compared to what many of you have gone through, some of you are going through, so again, as I said Sunday night in my message, I'm not here to make me worse, I'm just, it's your deal's your deal, mine's mine, okay? This week, Monday, was a year ago that I went to the primary care physician, Tuesday was a year ago that I went to the ER and spent, uh, got admitted Today was a year ago that that afternoon I got sent home. I'm really glad that throughout my several weeks of sickness that my wife didn't just yell downstairs from the bedroom saying, hey, you go get your own stuff. I'll be glad when you get up out of that seat and do something. I I, I don't know how I would have handled that. What are you doing sitting there? Go. In fact, you know what? You're really getting them. Why don't you just go quit and die? I mean, you know. I'm honest. Come on, think about it, folks. Oh Lord. I'm hoping you are getting quiet because I'm you're listening. No support from his wife. Three friends that show up with nothing. Good to say. Nothing good to say. Anybody ever been going through it and you got a phone call, a text, an email, or a card in the mail that maybe just simply said, hey, praying for you, it's gonna be alright. Anybody ever gotten that before? Uh oh, we may need to do some teaching on some other stuff. Anybody ever gotten that before? Hello? I don't know about you, but I've gotten that at different times in my life and just that simple word of encouragement oftentimes is enough to reignite something inside of me to say, you know what, I'm going to press on. Nobody, hello, nobody encouraged him. Nobody said, Job, just hang in there. God's going to work it out. Wife, you ought to die, friends. And then judgment and criticism. And so now... God tells them you go back do some sacrifice and, and you ask Job now i remind you verse number 6 he has already i abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes that sounds like a country singer dust and ashes <laughs> i abhor myself and repent but that's where he had stopped at that point. Oh, Jesus. Not knowing that while he has stopped at repentance, God's talking to Eliphaz and the other two fellows, and God's sending them back to him. So at this point, there is no indication of a change In Job's circumstances. Verse 9 again. Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the... Actually, I guess I read this verse. Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Verse number 10. The Lord turned... The captivity of Job, when? Not asking a question when, I'm making the statement, and somebody repeat it with me. When? He's already repented, dust and ashes, he's done that. But now it says that when Job prayed for his friends... Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 10 in the Message Bible, After Job interceded for his friends, God restored his fortune and then doubled it. After he prayed for his friends, that's when God then restored Job's fortune and doubled it. The easy-to-read version says... Job prayed for his friends and the Lord made Job successful again. God gave him twice as much as he had before. Job's captivity was turned when he prayed for his friends. Now let's, let's, you, Take that, take that phrase by itself without any knowledge of the rest of the story and you, and you hear somebody say, well, I prayed for my friends, and you respond to that and say, okay, if I'm your friend, I hope you'd pray for me. That statement all by itself, is, is it, it's it's obvious that ought to happen. Everybody ought to pray for their friend. If I'm your friend, I hope you're praying for me. But again, the the significance of this statement that Job prayed for his friends is he is now turning around and praying for the guys who had spent days staring at him and then had spent who knows how much time criticizing and judging him. It was when, not just that he repented for what he had done, but when he begins to pray for those guys that all of a sudden it seems, and I probably wasn't that way in reality, but it seems that God flips a switch and things begin to turn around in Job's life when... Could it be that if those three guys would have showed up with their bullocks and their rams and would have said, Job, God sent us for you to pray for us. If Job had not have prayed for them, would the rest of the story been the same? That God doubled everything he had from the beginning. I don't know think so. Another interesting point. I emphasize it, I think, already, but I'll come back to it for a moment. God put the forgiveness of those three men in the hands of the one they had wronged. Oh, Jesus. I, did does that not did did I not read that? I want you to get seven bullets, I want you to get seven rams, but I want you to go back to Job, and I want you to get Job to pray for you, and so their forgiveness, their transformation, they're, they're not having to deal with the punishment of all they said that was wrong was in the hands of the one they had hurt. I wonder how many people God's got waiting on you and I. Come on. Yeah. That's true. That God has put their victory in my hands. Oh, Jesus. There is no debate about the fact that Job was mistreated by his friends. Again, God Himself strongly rebukes those three guys. I I, I beg every every adult and young person, let me put everybody that's in this room right now that is old enough to have any understanding of what I'm saying... I'm begging every person in this room right now to put your shovel away and get out a funnel. Because some of you are working really hard right now. Yeah, boy, that's it, it, brother, right? Boy, you got them. Uh, Yeah, you just got them. And everything God's trying to say to you right now, you're not getting I said it facetiously a couple of weeks ago, kind of the new, you know, worship uh, posture is... Well, guess what? I'm giving you permission right now. Mm. You know what? I'm just going to say this. I don't know if I've ever said anything quite this bold. I'm just going to say that I believe there's not an adult in this room right now, not one single adult in this room right now, that you don't need to be listening to what the Holy Ghost is trying to say. Not one. I don't care who you are. I don't care what position you are. I don't care what ministry you lead. And I'll say that. The Bible talks about the husbandman being first partaker of the fruit. not prepared to give you my business right now, but I'm teaching, I'm preaching tonight, not just what God has given me for you, but what has been birthed out of what God's trying to do in me. So I'm not here with my gun out pointing and shooting at people tonight, and so that's why I'll say again, because it's not a judgmental thing because I included, there's not an adult in this place tonight, that God, in some form or fashion, this doesn't have an application to you. Thank you, I'm not fishing. And there's too many of us sitting, justifying. They shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have said it. It was wrong. You are absolutely 110% correct. You're absolutely right. No argument. My husband shouldn't have treated me that way. He shouldn't have talked to me like that. You're right. My wife shouldn't have disrespected me like that. She. she you're absolutely right. Brother so-and-so shouldn't have done that in the business we were involved in or in the business. You're absolutely right. I lent them money and they said they'd pay me back. and they, You're right. They should have. Please get the point that I'm trying to hammer home right now. Nobody's arguing. Nobody's arguing about whether or not what was done was wrong. There's no, God did not say anything to the contrary. Only problem was he wasn't privy to God's, Job wasn't privy to God's conversation with those three guys. Job had no idea that God was wearing them fellas out. All Job knew was they mistreated me. They talked to me wrong. They should have done something different. That's all God knew. You got no idea of what's going on in the life of the person that's done you wrong that you're sitting there so caught up in it about the wrong that you don't know that God might be absolutely wearing them out. But the problem is if part of their salvation is dependent upon coming back to you and saying, I need you to pray for me, can God send them back to you? I'm preaching to people tonight. You're searching for answers all kinds of places. And I'm here tonight in the Holy Ghost telling some folks, a bunch of folks, your answer. Because when I refuse to give what I'm supposed to give and provide the forgiveness that is my job, then I become a part of an autoimmune disease attacking the body. Because if you got the Holy Ghost and you're in the body and I won't forgive you, in essence, I'm attacking you. This is not a social club. This isn't the Knights of Columbus or the Moose Lodge or whatever other stuff. This isn't the Yacht Club downtown Annapolis. This isn't the YMCA. You know what? There's people that walk around at Saverna Park Racquetball Club. I look at them and I kind of, you know, you know, you see somebody before you ever met them. You already got an opinion. Oh, I'm the only one that does that. Okay. You know what? I walk around There's Some people there Sometimes on Fridays, but other times they do it voluntarily. They, they, you pick up and two guys, you'll play doubles. You'll play, uh, instead of what's a lot safer is just singles because it's only two people on a small court. But you get four guys in there and you really hope that everybody knows what they're doing. Otherwise, it could be not real fun. There's a few guys that, you know what, if I'm thinking about hop, jump, joining in a game of doubles, there's a couple of guys I see here sitting around. I'm like, nah, no thanks. You're not very good. I'm not great, but I'm better than you. And if I'm going to have to have somebody to play with, I'd rather have somebody that's better than me. So, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Or maybe you're so spiritual that that's not the case. I'm, maybe you're so uncompetitive you just play for the fun. God bless you. Have fun. I don't think there's anything wrong with me not being connected to every single person there. In fact, there's some folks I'm pretty sure I'm better off being unconnected to. But this isn't that. I don't have a right to look back there and say, you know what? That brother Lohenheim, I'm just going to keep my distance from him. I will I'll call this name cuz I think she's anything but this so I, it's very safe. You know that that's sister bishop she just a, she's a short-tempered mean person. <laughs> you don't know sister bishop she's one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. <laughs> that that my pinky has no right to look at the thumb and say, "You know what? I'm short, but you're shorter and fatter than I am. You ought to you shouldn't be a part of this body." I know I'm getting real practical and real elementary for some of you, and the ones that I'm too elementary for are probably the ones that ought to be listening the most right now. You know what? We don't like you guys down there because you stink. We want to, let's get rid of you from the body. You smell. I told y'all, some of you hadn't heard. So I'll tell her real quick. I'm sitting at youth camp, about 16, 17 years old. Afternoon, everybody. At that point, everybody had to be a part of the choir. Everybody. If you were a camper, you had to be in the choir. Everybody. So we're sitting there in the middle of the afternoon. I think it was after recess, if I'm not mistaken, is when we had choir. So we're sitting there in the middle of summertime, unair-conditioned tabernacle, bunch of, and of course. Believe it or not, there was you didn't have to decide if you were going to sing with the female or the males. You sat sang based on what you were born as so i 'm sitting in a bunch of a group of guys, some of which I knew for a fact. Y'all still go to camp. You know, there's always somebody there, somebody you, you, there's somebody, there's people around me close by that I knew for a fact, for some reason, did not understand that the shower was not just for everybody else, that it was for them as well. And I am a neat, clean freak. I am a neat, clean freak. I, I, I like neat. I like clean. I like to be clean. I'm sitting there and we were sitting down, the thing, one of the altos or sopranos were, were working on their parts and I'm sitting there and just kind of, we're, we're tired, we're resting and I'm sitting there going, man, somebody has missed the shower this week. There's one of those guys close by me that hasn't made his way in the shower. If I could just get out of here. Somehow, don't ask me how this happened, I'm really not sure how it happened, but I sort of started zoning in. And the more I zoned in, the more I realized the smell is not coming from somebody else. I started to recognize it was my tennis shoes. I left that choir practice, and I got those shoes thrown in the washing machine. You know what? There's some parts of the body, based on the circumstances, they're probably going to smell a little bit. You don't go cutting off your feet. Because they've been in your shoes all day, and now they stink. You may you may not you may not have the kind of personality I like. I guarantee you there's a bunch of you I got the kind of personality you don't like. There's a bunch of you you couldn't handle riding in the car with me for four or five. You couldn't handle it. Just because one part of my body's got a different function or a different design. Not another part of my body does not attack it. In fact, when my little tiny toe in the middle of the night gets caught on the doorframe in the dark, every part of my being comes to attention. Sometimes there is a moment in which there is a second or two when the rest of my being comes into attention. It says, what in the world are you doing down there? You, how stupid are you? But then it doesn't take long that the rest of my body kicks in and I'm like, oh, oh. Why? Why, 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 why is that so natural and normal to us with the natural body and yet with the spiritual body? Could it it be, could it be, could it be that the limitation, or let me say it this way, the lack of harvest, could it be that God recognizes we got some folks that have repented, but haven't made the step to say, God, help my brother. In the greatest moment of my need, in the time when I needed compassion and sympathy the most, I'm going to forget the fact that he wasn't there for me. God, have mercy on brother Eliphaz. God, show grace and compassion. And in that moment, God turned God turned he turned when job prayed for his friends because you 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 know what that 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 server that's rude to you that cashier that bites your head off you you get a little flustered but give it 5 minutes 10 minutes you're off to the next thing who cares you walk away and basically, I know some of you are too spiritual for this, but the rest of us, we walk away. And that, that idiot, what is their problem? Oh, well. Oh, well. But you, 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 you let a friend, a brother, a sister... Our wounds don't come from enemies. Our wounds don't come from strangers. When I walk down the mall, when I'm out in public, I could care less what the majority of those people think about how I look. If I got home tonight and this lady said to me, you know, i don't, not quite sure what you were thinking when you put that on tonight. But I really prefer not to see that outfit again. That just don't, that don't work for me. I know she loves me. But I got to tell you, I I have to process a little bit. I'm using all the safe stuff, okay? Some of you got stuff I ain't about to go there. not the stranger, it's my friend, it's my brother, it's my sister. It's when I was going through it and it wasn't a secret that I was going through it. It was obvious I was going through it and those that I trusted the most weren't there. That's where my wounds come from. When I'm already down, and somebody that I love, somebody that's a friend, comes along while I'm down and kicks me while I'm—that's d- where my wounds come from. And God, I—I I, I know I've read it before, but I got to tell you, the—the I, I, the part I was going to when I began studying all this was God turning the captivity of Job. The part I had never quite gotten before was the couple of verses before that where God is saying to those guys the, the prescription. <laughs> Here's the prescription for your issue. Don't talk to me. Don't come pray to me. Don't repent to me. I don't want to hear what you have to say. You go talk to Job. Oh God, I don't have very good hope that that's going to work out real well. I'm not too sure that's where I want to be going to get me out of my jam. To the one that I did wrong, the one I mistreated, the one I should have been there for and I wasn't. God, you're going to make me go to that person? Because not only was God working something for Eliphaz and the other two guys, there was also something God was working in Job. And I'm going to say it again. I believe that I can say this in the context of what is said here, that the turning of Job's captivity was dependent upon him praying for those men. I know this don't apply to all of you. Unfortunately, it applies to just a few of you. And the ones it's going to apply to, you're not mad at me already. Let's see if I can get you mad. I will never do business with that guy again. Can't trust him. He's not good to his word. I, I'll pick on him because it's another safe one. If I ever need a bus to go somewhere, I ain't calling Brother Spriggs. I asked him for a bus, I organized a bus, and he uh, he didn't come through. I was standing on the curb waiting on a bus to take my trip, and no bus showed. He's no, I won't ever. How about this? I was standing on the curb with 30 people waiting for a bus, and no bus came. But my response is, God, bless VVS charters. God, pour out your blessings on Brother Spriggs and his bus company. God, give him more that... Yeah, keep your mouth shut and live in captivity. Oh, Lord, I'm not here tonight to be mean, but I'm. I told you I wasn't going to go long and I'm going. Here I am getting long. I, are you You have brother right. I, I loved you and respected you before tonight, but you've lost your mind now. You know what the problem is? Some of you, you'll get all wrapped up in spiritual stuff, but what I just said, you will separate it out. You'll put it in another category and separate the principles you live your natural life by, and that's why some of you are still living in captivity. I'm just... You know some some folks they open their mouth and they just can't help but puke their guts out i'm not like that and yeah i i keep I keep going farther than I ever intended to go tonight, but i I'm, I'm going to just tell you without giving you all my business, if I teach much longer, I might give you all my business i've been struggling with some some stuff that I couldn't figure out what the source of it was and what. and through some circumstances that God brought me to this verse. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't been in intercession yet. I haven't been screaming and hollering. God bless them. But I have to tell you, I've squeezed it out a little bit. And in just a matter of a day or two, I can sense something shifting in my spirit. Because I've started saying, God, bless them. Prosper them. Let them succeed, God. Let them find, let them find blessings. And I'm telling you, there's some stuff that I've battled with finding the source of. That in 36, 48 hours, where it's still, I'm kind of like the end of the toothpaste tube. It ain't flowing. But I've squeezed a little bit out. And I feel, I don't, you haven't given me an update. You told, I don't know what happened. You told me a couple weeks ago you had a meeting. I don't know what happened, but is it still called tidings? Or is it something else? Okay, well, I probably shouldn't call it a name, but since it's something else, I want to, God, bless God, give them more than they can handle. God, give them more business than, give them, let 2017 be their most prosperous year. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know about that, brother, right? Then you know what? All you'll ever do is hear about him with your ears. But if you want to see him with your eyes, it's beyond. You see, here's our problem. Most of us, I'm trying. I, I really was planning to quit at 830. I was, I should have known better. We're all, most of us have no issue repenting. Most of us have no problem with the repentant part. God, let's keep this between you and I. We can work this out. You and me. We got a good thing going, Jesus. I know I shouldn't have done. I know I shouldn't have said. I'm really sorry. Forgive me. So let's just keep it right there. Because I can do that and still be upset with you. I can do get this worked out and not have to look at you. I don't think it was that God rejected... Job's prayer for repentance, but that wasn't all there was to the process. (laughs) I have no idea what Job prayed. I don't know what his prayer was all about. All I know is he prayed. And not only did God not Punish those three men any further. But God now looks at Job and says, All right, process complete. Everything you've lost, everything you've been through, I'm now going to give it back. Let me ask you, what would you rather spend the rest of your life with? Holding on to the justification that they did wrong and you don't pray? or letting it go, and God saying, all right, now it's time. We're going to turn some things around. I'm going to start giving back. I'm going to start repaying. You've heard about me, but now I want you to see me. Come on now. I I, I am... Trying to be cautious how I say this, because I'm not... I, I know when I'm apologizing. I know. I know when I am apologizing in code because I'm not apologizing, but I'm apologizing and it makes me feel better. The statement is not intended to be an apology. Or, a, or, an, or the other issue is causing, because when you do that, you cause people to second guess or question you. So i I don't want to do that. I've already said it. I believe I've come here tonight with a word from God. Based on tonight, some of you might not want to come back next week since I said we're in a little season here. <laughs> but I, I just I am of getting of the stronger and stronger opinion. The part of the has part of the part of the cap. It's not the devil. It's not the political climate. Not all that mess. But it's actually God saying, oh, thanks for your repentance. But if I'm going to do everything I want to do, you've got to do a little bit more. Why should God bless us with an overwhelming harvest for people to become a part of a body that's got rheumatoid arthritis. Why should God just add more candidates for the body to attack? Brother Wright, you're being really harsh. I'm not trying to be harsh. I preach, teach, we'll talk, whatever I've done here tonight. There's a number of folks in this place tonight that I don't think you've been through it quite as bad as Job, but you have been through it. Could it be that you don't need to repent one more time? How many of you have repented multiple times for the same thing? Come on, join. My hand is up. How many of you have repented? You felt like you were genuinely repenting for something and you repented genuinely, as genuinely as you can multiple times but something is just still not changing. Could it be that it's no longer time for you and him to keep talking. But it's time for you, and I'm not telling you to do this literally, figuratively. That may come in a couple of weeks. I hope not, because if I got to tell you to do that, that means I got to do that. I don't mean in person, but could it be that it's time for some of you to start praying for not vengeance? <laughs> God, you know how Stephen treated me. Get him back. God, you said in your word, vengeance is yours. You will repay. So go ahead and repay. Because I'm watching. Front row, no. God, bless Stephen. God, prosper Stephen. God, I pray that you would work on Stephen's behalf. I pray, God, that whatever Stephen's hands touch... That it would prosper, I pray. But, 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 but. Do you know the other thing I don't see? I don't know, I can't say they didn't because it's not there. But there is no indication that Eliphaz and the other two fellows apologized to Job. Well, you know what, if they'd just come and admit they were wrong, I'd probably forget. No, you wouldn't. There's no indicator that they came back to Job and fell at his feet and said, we are so wrong. They just went back to Job and said, we need you to pray for us. And based on God turning Job's captivity, I think what Job prayed was pleasing to God. I think Job's prayer... And God's response to Job is the indicator that Job prayed a prayer that was pleasing to God. You know the wonderful thing about the spiritual part of this? The problem, naturally speaking, with an autoimmune disease, you go to the doctor and they give you medication for a lot of them. But without fail, every medication that deals with the one problem, produces other problems. I started on prednisone within a week of things getting really bad for me last year, and within a matter of 24 to 48 hours, basically all the pain that had been in my body was gone. And then I started not being able to sleep. And I started feeling like somebody had punched an air hose inside of me. It was just gradually blowing it up. And all the other stuff. And I know, again, some of you dealt with much worse than I am. I'll give you the mic. You can preach. But you know what? God doesn't need to give a prescription to deal with one symptom, but it causes another problem. God has the ability, if we will let him to bring healing i, I we 're getting ready i 'm getting ready to pray we 're going to close and i 'm not opening the altar tonight i 'm telling you and I, I really i i 'm not trying to be harsh or sarcastic in some of the things i 've said as far as next week and whatever because I believe i 'm Here tonight with hungry, sincere people. So I I actually I apologize. I I don't I'm not trying to goad anybody. So I'm not we're not gonna we're we're not getting ready to have an altar call tonight because I genuinely feel in my spirit, as I said at the beginning, that I believe tonight we are starting for Antioch Central over the next couple of weeks, a journey. That if we, we will allow God to lead us, when He gets done doing what He wants to do in us, there's a lot of other things that will begin to fall in place. Bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment, please. Father, I believe that I am in a room tonight of people of faith, that while all of us have our moments of doubt that we go through, I believe that I am here tonight in a group of people that have faith in you, that have faith in your word. So God, I don't believe our need tonight is greater faith, more faith, more vision, But I I believe that probably just about every one of us in this room tonight have got some Eliphazes in our lives that we need to pray for. That we have acknowledged and repented what we have done wrong. But that's not all there is to the process. That not only are there others waiting on us because their victory, their deliverance is You have tied it to us, but our own deliverance, our own victory is dependent upon us being willing to let go of some things, to put some things aside, and to begin to bless and pray for those that have wronged us. Those, God, that there is no debate, there's no argument that what was done was wrong. It's not a question of right or wrong. It was wrong. Things that were said, things that were done, actions by others. But the issue tonight is not finding out or determining what was right or wrong, but it's me, it's us being willing to lay some things aside and begin to pray, let go, bless those that have wronged us. God, I believe that just like that man that for 38 years had dealt with an issue that you knew even when he didn't, that things were going to change, that there are people here tonight that have settled into a mode of survival that this is how things have been for so long, they're never going to change. That first of all, God, you've got deliverance in their future. You've got restoration in their future. But actually, it's not something we're waiting on you to do. It's something you're waiting on us to do. God, I pray that over the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks, perhaps if it takes a couple of months, that you would bring this body of believers, those that are not here tonight that are a part of us, that you would bring us to a place of healing and wholeness. God, that the spiritual autoimmune diseases that battle us would be completely removed from this body, that we would find health, healing, wholeness, that you might then be able to turn our captivity and do all that you have promised and intended to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Some of you have been in those services where messages of forgiveness and grudges were preached and you were encouraged and instructed to go to the person and make it right. I got good news for you tonight, tonight, no idea what next week holds, not sure what a couple of weeks from now holds, but just to help some of you out and, and accept this a little bit more, I'm not encouraging anybody to go to anybody, because you know what, in some ways it's a little easier to go to somebody and say, you know what, you offended me, I forgive you, and walk away. It's a different thing to say, God bless them. That's a, that's, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. You know what? I, you wrong me. I forgive you. And as long as things don't get better for you, I forgive you. Cause that'll make me feel better. Cause you got what you deserve, right? Come on now, you know, what's flesh works. But you know what? I, I know there's a time and a place and need at times to go. I touched on that last... If you know your brother has all against you, leave your gift, go, whatever. But right now, there's something more God is looking for from us. And it's not just a few words to try to make some things right. But when I, for the ones that have wronged me, can genuinely begin to pray, not just lip service, and again... It may be at first the squeezing of the last drop of toothpaste to get it out. But you know what? There was a woman who had a cruise of oil. And as long as there were vessels, and she kept pouring, there was oil. So as long as you, quit, as long as you keep squeezing the tube of blessing. There's going to be a little bit more in there. Till at some point, it's no longer having to force it out. But it now becomes a flow. Praise God. May the Lord bless you. Dismissed. In Jesus' name.